0: Biggest thing that goes into starting a business is recognizing opportunity. Legitimate opportunity and saying I have a chance right now. The timing is right, the financials are right, the technology is right.
1: From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's start here podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Lisa Grunewald joins us today, who along with her husband Roland, founded Logic Supply, hands down one of Vermont's most promising and forward-thinking companies. Welcome, this is Sam Roach Gerber
2: and Dave Bradbury
1: recording from the Fairpoint Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Sam.
2: Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. We are
1: so psyched to have you. First of all, back in the states, and actually in our recording studio.
2: Well, that's that's kind of a stretch saying it's recording studio, Sam.
1: Well, (laughs) they don't know that. Super impressive. (laughs) They do now. They do now.
2: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No more secrets here. We're about transparency.
1: All right, Lisa. Let's just jump in. What is Logic Supply? Tell us about your product.
0: Logic Supply is a company that designs, develops, and manufactures industrial and embedded computers, which is a whole lot of words basically to say that our computers are super rugged and they're used in embedded applications. And an embedded application is, for example, at JFK Airport, you know, our computers are in the ring of monitors above uh, Terminal 4. So mm. our computers go into places where people hope that they could just put the computer in there and they don't have to ever go get it down. That's our goal is computers that don't break down.
1: Awesome. And so that, I mean, that's a lot of sort of nitty-gritty, sort of dirty, hard jobs that absolutely awesome.
0: Absolutely. We have a customer that is a producer of potato chips. Yeah, and I love food, so I always remember this particular customer. <laughs> um, they called us one day and they said, when we put barbecue powder on our potato chips uh, the barbecue powder gets into our computers and it kind of forms an electric static adherence to the interior of the computer and you know our computers are breaking down all the time so they wanted a computer with no moving parts which uh, the majority of our rugged computers are completely solid state and um, if a computer is solid state it doesn't suck in air and it doesn't blow out air um, so that's really great in environments with a lot of uh, particulate materials, like barbecue powder. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it
2: is it combustible barbecue powder, or is it just? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm having my my kids have this stuff all the time. You know, if it's
0: sticking to the inside of a computer, you wonder what it's doing to your stomach. But I don't want to <laughs> ruin right, right. your my... summer barbecues, yeah, so okay. let's uh, move along. I think that's, that's that's great.
2: Um, did you know you always wanted to be in business for yourself or with your husband? I mean, how did you... Was this a conscious thing, an accidental thing, or how did it come about?
0: Um, Roland and I share in common uh, entrepreneurial parents. Uh, Roland's family has a business, or they sold it, um, but they had a business in the Netherlands called the Gruneveld Group. Um, and my mom and dad had a store in Montpelier called The Cobbler Shop. I can't honestly say that I ever wanted to be an entrepreneur, and really Roland probably either, because we saw all of the stress associated with owning your own business, the risk involved, the responsibility you feel for a lot of other families, and I think we both, for a long time, just thought, wouldn't it be better to work for other people and not have that stress and strain? Um, But then my father passed away. Um, We were living in the Netherlands, and I decided to move back to be closer to my mom and brother's And Roland came with me, which was wonderful, because he'd never been more than an hour away from his parents, so it was a big step for him. And he got here, and he said, Lisa, I just don't want to start over again. You know, do you think we can start a business? Cool. And I had to spend some time really, yeah, getting that idea into my head emotionally, because I saw how hard it was for my parents. But I think it was the right choice for us. And so what were the
2: first steps that you took after you decided, okay, we're going to do this. Did, did you already know what, what sort of business you were going to do? I mean, it was either a cobbler, which probably a shoe store yep. or, or clearly rugged computers.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> 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 right. And it seems so stark now in those terms. Uh, you know, Roland and I were living in the Boston area at the time and we looked at each other and we thought, what do we love? Because you'll be more successful with what you love, I believe. And uh, the first thing popped into our head was coffee. We love coffee. We were probably talking at 8 o'clock in the morning. We probably hadn't (laughs) had a cup of coffee yet. Um, But it became very clear very quickly that Roland and I should do something in IT um, because, uh, you know, I had been, my entire career to that point had been in IT. His entire career to that point had been in IT. And he was more of a technologist and I was a salesperson. And so in that respect, we covered at least a couple of really important aspects of starting a business. We knew the product and the technology. You know, Roland did really well, and I knew uh, sales and marketing really well. And it became clear after about the first six months um, that the business was going to be profitable. And at that point, we were like, my God, we just have to go all Only in. least six months? 6 months but um, let me let me point out one thing to your listeners there's a there's a lot that goes into starting a business but the biggest thing that goes into starting a business is recognizing opportunity legitimate opportunity right. and saying i have a chance right now the timing is right the financials are right the technology is right to explore an idea and if those sometimes those elements don't come together starting a business is more difficult so for us what really came together um, roland found a technology a mini itx motherboard so i wish your listeners could hear me but this is a motherboard a, you know i can't i'm hard we to we have d- a two very sophisticated <laughs> listener base so <laughs> they like, can imagine like it. three iPhones maybe yeah like three iPhones next to each other <laughs> um, and he found that technology and it was only available in Asia. And he said, we should import this to the United States. Businesses were starting to realize that the internet um, was a safe place to use their credit cards. So they were starting to purchase online and Google uh, was coming out with Google AdWords. Mm -hmm. So we were in the right place with the right technology idea at the right time. And that was about 2003. So when we decided to like, start the business, oh, that all kind of came together.
2: Had you Were you still working elsewhere when you started this? Did, how did that yeah. transition go? Because sometimes it's a, a cold cutover or a, yeah. or it, a painful, it, we're working two jobs full-time for a bit.
0: We needed to fund the business. You know, we were, I don't mean anything against venture capital, but, you know, going out and trying to find capital for our business was not what we thought was going to work for our business. And the primary reason being that, Hardware in the world of IT, hardware is just not that sexy. So we didn't think we'd it's find sexy here at Visa. I'm glad you guys because <laughs> we, think it's sexy. About we hardware, do everything software, we can to make it sexy. SAP water, we do <laughs> it all. Can- can. We do it all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had to finance it ourselves, and it all came out of our bank accounts. And uh, I was working at a company called Fiberlink in Massachusetts, and Roland was um, getting the business off the ground. Um, so I was buying the groceries. One of us had to pay the rent, um, but really, it yeah, it took about six months.
1: And how did you find your customers,
0: those first ones? They found us. That goes back to... Google AdWords? Everything AdWords. really sort of coming together, yeah. Uh, you know, prior to that, our competition and also companies I had worked for, like WorldCom and CompuServe and sales people were in the field. They were feet on the street, and suddenly, around 1999, when Google came out. I think it was 99 or 98. um, People started doing their own research. And once they realized that their credit cards were secure online, they came and they found us. And no one was more surprised than Roland and I. We'd go out for breakfast on Saturday morning and come home and there'd be three orders.
2: Isn't that the coolest feeling? Like when the little chime goes in those early days, it's yeah, like validation. Yeah, Dave. Yep. Rent you
0: can pay. And, and yeah,
2: yeah. It's really cool.
0: And I remember saying to my mom, I wish dad were still alive to see that, you know, business happens, but you're not in the store. Yeah. Because my father was in the store all the time. So at what point did
1: did it, the scale tip and you guys knew that you had to kind of scale it from there and, and grow out of your apartment or your house?
0: It was when Roland and our friend dropped the air conditioner out of the window on the second story. I was like, you know what? It's usually this a is just not working. Hazard. Yeah, they were. I came home and they were standing at the window with their eyes wide and their hands up in the air. And I'm like, what just happened? And they're like, we just dropped the air conditioner out of the window. The problem was the boxes had boxed in the window so much that they couldn't really maneuver around the air conditioner, and it was at that point where, like, you know what? This is just not working. Time to grow up. Bro. Yeah, there were 18-wheelers in our little neighborhood in Massachusetts, and, um, and I, I would like to say something. Um, when we were in Massachusetts, we had the decision to stay in Massachusetts. Um, I love Massachusetts. I called Vermont. And I called a fellow whose first name is Richard, and he worked for the state. And I said, I'm thinking of moving to Vermont. And that was 2004. And Roland was fairly ambivalent. He said, I'll stay in Massachusetts or I'll move to Vermont, whatever you think is best.
1: He's already across the Atlantic, so. Right. (laughs)
0: Mom and dad are still over in the Netherlands. So um, I called the state of Vermont, and they went out of their way to help us move up here.
2: Was that Rich Smith, maybe, Economic
0: Development? For Washington County, yeah. I can't remember his last name, but I think he's retired now. But, you know, uh, I owe him a debt of gratitude, you know, for getting us up here.
1: That's a good one for our listeners to hear. That's awesome. Yeah. And we're Massachusetts fans as well. I love
0: Massachusetts. But... Yeah, I'm a...
2: Recovering Mass Hole from way back.
1: <laughs> Same z's. Western Mass, though, doesn't really count, according to Dave. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I
2: just, I thought, I just Eastern, thought it was so. Boston, Worcester, West of Worcester. And that was it. That was fall it. Fall
1: River. Sigh. So yes. Um, so, Lisa, we talk about here and there that's necessary to grow Vermont businesses today. You guys have offices across the globe. Um, so, Logic Supply is a great example of that. Why is it important for Logic Supply to be a global company?
0: Um, if every company doesn't, it really should ask itself what its customers need. Um, and, uh, logic supply, we define our customers, um, you know, as our employees and our team, their customers, um, our customers are the companies that buy our products and services from us, uh, to a certain extent, our customer base is our community too. Um, those three factors really determine where your organization needs to do business. Um, we need to be where the resources are. Um, we need to be where our customers need us to be. Um, and we need to recognize that it's a global economy. Um, I am a big fan of well-defined and negotiating trading partnerships. Um, I am a fan of a open internet. I am not a fan of the fooling around with net neutrality. Yeah, that um, kind of sucks. Yeah, just to kind of put my two cents in there. Uh, This openness, openness of borders, the ability for people to travel, the ability for people to interact with each other internationally, uh, the ability to have open communication on the internet, it all ties in so tightly with how Logic Supply has been successful, has seen the world, Uh, it ties in with our core values which are open, fair, innovative, and independent. Um, and, you know, we go where we're needed. We go where our customers are. We go where our employees want to be. Um, and that means for us um, innovating and growing in Asia, where really the heart of the hard world, world really is. Uh, growing in Europe, where there is a vibrant business community um, and a lot of need for our products and services, and of course, uh, growing in uh, you know the United States, South America, North America.
2: Um, your, your culture is well known around here, at least from the outside. You know, until you experience it. But uniquely, I think you uh, you publish employee salaries mm-hmm. and, and other data like. How did that come about, and and how does it work? Yeah. Or doesn't work.
0: You know, I'm sure Roland and I would love to take credit for our open salary policy, which has been, in my opinion, wildly successful. Um, But actually, Roland worked for a very large uh, Anglo-Dutch consultancy company called CMG, and they published the salaries or had an open salary policy for well over 20,000 employees. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. I get asked questions, does it scale, does it work? And I always say, well, you know, it worked for CMG. And if it worked for them, it should work for Logic Supply. And our open salary policy, we don't uh, publish it publicly, but we publish it within the company. And it is in line with our open uh, core value and the core value of FAIR. Um, it's important for us to say about FAIR. FAIR doesn't necessarily mean that people like it. It means that they get to know about it, and they get to openly disagree, and they get to share their opinions without uh, undue retribution. And having an open salary policy often um, um, you know, eliminates a lot of questions and conversations. Oddly enough, when something is open and transparent, most people assume that it's copacetic, it's cool because you're not hiding it, so it must be okay. We really don't get a lot of questions. And when we do, it gives us an opportunity to say, all right, either you're right, you are not paid where, the way you should be and we're gonna fix that for you. Or it gives us the opportunity to say, okay, well, here's why these colleagues are making more money than you and here's how they're performing. Um, that's, your, that's your bar, that's your standard. Um, and most people respond to that really well.
1: Would you say that that's a policy like that you know kind of self selects a certain type of employee um, hmm.
0: Wow, that's a great question, Sam. I have never asked it that way. I think in the past i've been s I've had people say to me um you know when a person comes in, will they perform once they know they're salary is open and my experience has been yes and here I'm looking at my colleague uh, Derek who's lived in this sort of environment mostly when we explain it to people during interviews people are intrigued and Mm -hmm. they're excited about it Um, and I think I don't know that we've ever lost a great candidate because of it per se but I also have to say that if they did not agree with it they probably did self-select their way out of it without really saying they disagree Yeah, Yeah, that's a good question. It's hard to really say. But I will say, as far as I know, all of the team at Logic Supply is, um, if not happy with it, they kind of take it a little bit for granted. And it's not super common. And an open salary policy is difficult if a company or organization has been in business for a really long time and has not practiced salary integrity over the years. Right. Um, It was easier for us because we decided to do it from the get-go.
1: And that, I mean, that's not an anomaly. You guys, your whole culture is about openness. And and so it kind of goes with the flow in in terms of your other policies.
0: Yeah, and you know, open and fair work together. They are a a balance of each other. So not everything is open. You know, there is definitely confidential employee information when people are hitting on hard times. That's confidential. And that's where fair comes in. So open and fair, uh, independent and innovative as core values, they don't tell us how to behave. They give us a vocabulary around which we can discuss our behavior. So we don't always know what to do. We're not always on our A game. But when we're not, we have a way to talk about it as a group and as a group kind of bring ourselves back to where we think we need to be. doesn't mean we always make good choices. But I I do want to make that distinction. Not everything is open. There is quite a lot of stuff that's confidential because it's fair for it to be confidential.
2: How many... We never really asked, like, how many people do you have? How how, how, how sort of large is the company? I Great know, question. Every Dave Cont- oh, is that oh, your question, Sam? No,
1: or,
0: I. Yeah. We should know that. I mean
2: Because like, we left off. We know there's at least three of you you, Roland, and Derek over here in the corner. <laughs>
0: yes, me, Roland, and Derek. Hopefully, Derek is texting the HR team to find out how many there are. Let's say maybe 100 or so, it's, 120. 130 like 130 worldwide. 130 worldwide. Thanks, Derek. Wow. Did you yeah, ever anticipate
2: being responsible and enabling that many people?
0: I am highly paranoid every day. I think I'm going to go out of business. I, you know, <laughs> funny <laughs> enough. Um, no, I never, I never did. I have come to a place, this is my personal opinion, I've come to a place where I really think Logic Supply um, is going to thrive and continue to grow, and it all comes down to the team you know, we have, and I know everyone would say this about their company, but we have an astounding team and they are pushing the company forward and they are fearless. So I have more confidence now than ever. I sleep like a baby five and 10 years ago. I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning and I called it the witching hour, obsessing and stressing and writing to-do lists, but I am cool, calm and collected now. Um, it's all blue sky, I think, for Logic Supply. And it really comes back to the entire team.
2: This is kind of inspiring, Sam. I, don't, I know. I'm like a little bit ill-prepared for that emotion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> awesome. Well, wow. I, I made I, Dave cry.
1: That Yeah, that <laughs> yes. does not happen I'm often. I'm um, I think fresh powder is the only thing, really, I've seen that really brings him to uh, tears. Fresh powder
2: you can't get to it makes me cry. <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, that just to me, I from the outside, I think most people view Logic Supply as a company that knows exactly who they are and where they're going, which isn't always the case. So that's just super cool from an outsider's perspective. Um, But I'm just kind of curious, going from this, you know, husband-wife team to you know 130 employees globally. Was it always that kind of clear, and, and you, did you always know exactly who you are?
0: And No. Um, <laughs> our employees have pushed us in uh, wonderful ways, mostly because they have fearlessly held us accountable. Um, I would say in about 2009 or 2010, a lot of people on the team were just coming to Roland and I and saying, we don't see the vision. This place is a train wreck. It's a dumpster fire. We don't know what direction we're going in. We don't know who we are. Why are we here? And Roland and I thought, really? They can't read our mind? God, what's wrong with them? Like, isn't it obvious just by the fact I'm standing here and breathing? Um, And it was at that moment that, you know, Roland and I looked at each other, and we said, there has to be a way to help the team understand what we're trying to accomplish cuz it seems so obvious to us and we um, met with a peer group a uh, Vistage CEO group and this is where i want your Wait, listeners Heather Anderson Heather Anderson
2: Love her she's a I friend from so I love her
0: yes i want your listeners to really stop and think about the power of many minds coming together to help them solve their business problems we went to Vistage um, we started talking to other CEOs who had similar challenges We were gratified to know we weren't alone. Um, And one of the other Vistich members, uh, Ben Anderson Ray of Trinitas Advisors, who is awesome, he came to me and said, Lisa, I understand your struggle, and if you let me spend about an hour with you, I think I can give you a framework. Yes, please. this is just a tactical issue, and it seems so existential. And he sat us down, and uh, he talked to us about a one-page operating strategy that he and his consultant partners had put together. And we have been using that one-page operating strategy, which we we call in Logic Supply Project 2020. And we kicked it off in 2010, and it culminates in the year 2020, uh, where hopefully Logic Supply becomes a $100 million company. And what that one-page operating strategy has done is it has said to the entire team, here's who we are and here's what's important to us. Here are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, a standard SWOT. And here are our three-year thrusts, our one-year initiatives, and our 90-day rocks. And a 90-day rock is the thing you have to get done in the next 90 days. And when you give that kind of information to smart people like Derek, they have no question about what their to-do list looks like. Yeah. And they do not come up to you and say, I don't get it there's no clarity here, we don't have a strategy. They simply go and they look at their one-page operating strategy, and they ask clarifying questions. And they make great decisions every single day, because that's what they are. They are business people. You give them the keys to understand the business. You get a little bit out of their way. You give them some constraints within which to work, and they go gangbusters. And when you have 130 people pulling on the oars at the same time, you move fast. And I would say that that one-page operating strategy, Vistage, Ben, has been a an engine to Logic Supply's growth. And it's not rocket science. It is simply a single piece of paper that respects everybody's business acumen. And that's all it is.
1: That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like,
0: you know, you
1: chose the right place to kind of call home Vermont's really had an impact on your business um, from when you called them. They said, yes, come here Yeah, they uh, did. to the folks that you just mentioned. Are there any other sort of resources in Vermont that have really helped you guys to scale?
0: Absolutely. Oh, God, and I hope I don't forget anybody important. Pretty much the entire state of Vermont. You yeah. know, Vermont gets a little bit of a bad rap. Uh, you know, we got high taxes and, you know, difficult regulations. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm so liberal. Taxes and regulations don't tend to perturb me too much. Someone's got to pave the roads. Um, The state of Vermont has always been supportive. Um, Administrations, it hasn't really mattered whether they're a Democratic administration or a Republican administration. They've been supportive. They've reached out to us. Um, Vermont is a nice small state. You can reach your congressional delegation. They care. Um, the governor cares. The governor has always cared, and it's been multiple governors since <laughs> yeah, we've isn't been that, here. That
2: is so special in Vermont. It is special I mean, in Vermont. We have Senator Leahy calls incubator and co-working yeah, members absolutely. here, which blows yep. me
0: away. Yeah,
2: um, I, I got— They care. I got
0: called, and they, you know— Congressman Welch, I mean, Yes, right on down the line. Yeah, business advisory council that Congressman Welch has is super handy, and I think— I think it's because, <laughs> and you know, my family has been in Vermont for quite a few generations now. Vermont is a we're a rural state, and we're kind of pioneers, and we're a little do it ourselfers You know, a lot of Vermonters, when something breaks in their house, they fix it themselves. You know, you don't necessarily have the ability to to always um, rely on the people around you. Though we are good with our neighbors, our neighbors are often. Three and four miles away from us, right? Um, so you know we're we're good at taking care of ourselves up here. Um, I think we have
2: to be nicer. I always joke that at some point you're gonna push one another out of a snowbank. Yes, right. right. Be we nice really to your can't neighbor. Can't afford to be the real jerk out there. Or even yeah. if you are, you sort of just know yeah. you're gonna have to. Yeah, you got to help, gotta help out, each other. Which is, which is really great. And I we're a little
0: state. We don't have we don't have a ton of human resources to fall back on. Right, We have to make our labor force work, and our labor force works really hard. They just need the investment. And
2: I think you've used successfully the veggie, the, the Vermont uh, Growth oh, Incentives, yes, the I, Vermont Training Program. I which wrap is, that all which in, which
0: in yeah. when I say call the state of Vermont. Vermont.gov if you're coming to Vermont, is a great place to start. And everyone I've ever worked with has been falling over themselves to help us be successful, and to tell us about the resources out there. Um, Vermont Training Grant, Vita, Veggie, yep. yep, the alphabet
1: soup. You just have to remember to ask for help, which I think a lot of Vermont entrepreneurs kind of forget to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
2: and, you know, I mean, you really you didn't say this, but uh, it's isolating and, and can be lonely uh, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur. And granted, you had Roland and mm-hmm. Husband Wife and Kitchen Table sort of discussions but you know more and more using folks like heather anderson's group or yep. or they they join a, a facility where they can just realize they're other people yeah doing and, and amazing things not and to flatter
0: and you guys because you're standing right here but this entire vset facility where you see people working together when someone says something out loud and you hear it two cubes down you know you're not alone No one faces a business challenge that has not already been faced. How old is commerce? I mean, no one faces a business challenge that's not already been faced. Um, And remaining humble enough to know that you don't have to always reinvent the wheel and you can rely on the people around you. You will accelerate your business growth dramatically if you don't get too caught up in the idea that you're the only one who can run your business.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I would agree, and you know when we got to about forty different members in this facility here at, at Fairpoint, the the group started really helping one another. The the snowball mm-hmm. achieved critical momentum, and it's mm-hmm. just continued to to build. And you should definitely come to one of our first Fridays. Okay. Every first Friday, four ish, four thirty. There's uh, some drinks in the fridge, and people just gather. Nice. And sort of share a win or mm-hmm. or some other story and a way to meet people. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Just that sounds like fun. But we do have to talk about the F word, okay? And this fudge. is failure. Oh, failure! I was thinking well, of we food, could of we course. could talk fudge if you'd like. <laughs> uh, Panucci, uh, yes. is one of my faves. But let's talk about failure, okay? Because mm-hmm. you know the the rearview mirror, we sort of forget a lot of the. Mm-hmm fetal position moments, or why are we doing this? Or you, you alluded to the 3 a.m. sort of stress. What's, a, what, what's an example of a, of a failure or a real moment in time that, that was presented to the company, and, and what got you through it?
0: Oh, my God, we've had so many failures. Derek, where do I start? Do you have a favorite? <laughs> uh, can, let me talk about a, a failure we turned around. If that's, Love. yeah, Inspiring. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot that we failed on and didn't turn around. Um, you know, and let this be a little bit of a warning um, message for your listeners. Um, Logic Supply decided to expand to Europe, and we um, underestimated the importance of expanding with the right partners. And um, we did not good, do a good job uh picking the team that we were expanding with. And ultimately we did not have a good agreement with them. Um, And when it fell apart, um, basically Roland and I had to go back to Europe to pick up the pieces. And that comes down to uh, human resources. Um, We had a great team over there. You know, the people in the actual positions, our staff, they were fantastic, um, but they lacked effective leadership. And leadership was not integrated into the logic supply um, world, and you know I'm really opening the kimono here. I see Derek looking at me with wide eyes. You know it was it was a um, it was a difficult moment for Roland and I where maybe we were getting cocky and we thought, oh, everybody would run the business similar to us, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, every corporation has a culture, and it's culture is carried forward by you know actually the feet on the street in this case you know the employees the team and it's not just a simple cut and paste and um, culture beats everything every single day when it comes to your success and uh, we did not really do a good job there now that team is performing much better And uh, the early results here out of Europe are great. They're growing now. Um, There's a ton of opportunity over there. They're committed. And I think they're having fun, which is really important because people won't stick with a company that really just feels like it's beating them over the head all the time. It's uh, really important for the team to enjoy themselves. Forty hours a week is a long time to spend suffering. So it's uh, it's starting to turn itself around.
2: We have a couple of companies in our portfolio from our seed fund that are... That are looking at expanding in, in different countries now. And yeah, I may need to turn the mics off and come pick your brain as part oh, of my board I have. duties. Just, I'm not because even... not making mistakes that are yeah. obvious. Yeah, right, or that others have done. And and gosh, I think if you can increase the pace of those learnings, absolutely, and your 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 dollar isn't wasted, mm-hmm. or the emotional energy with with people that aren't in right positions or aren't supported, because uh, times ticking. The Time's world is ticking. competitive and mm-hmm. uh, pretty unforgiving in a, yeah. in a business sense. I would
0: be happy to speak to um, the folks involved in doing that because even if you're opening an office in Rutland, it really doesn't matter how far away.
2: And here's the cool thing. These two companies, they mm-hmm. all have motherboards.
0: Oh, they have motherboards. Oh, yeah, a total oh, deep now company. This is, uh, this is hardware. <laughs> hardware. This is hardware. Awesome.
1: I love it. Lisa, have you had a mentor?
0: Wow, if it takes me a lot long to answer, I guess the answer is no.
1: Not formally? Ish, yeah. Do you provide mentorship for anyone in particular? Me personally?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm just a bad person. Probably not. Sign yep. me up. All right. I'm going to say. I <laughs> so wish the world next had more week. bad people like you.
1: Um, you hear that, yeah, listener? She doesn't have a mentee, but maybe could <laughs> play our cards right.
2: Oh, Excuse me. We could auction it off for our, our nonprofit fundraiser, perhaps.
0: Love. You know And, and yeah, you know what? It's funny. I. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to be. I'm going to say something. I'm going to be a little vulnerable right now. I don't know that I'm qualified. Oh, my I know, it. I know, God. I know, I know. But you know, I'm still just Lisa from Barry. You're you know, in my own mind, Lisa, Lisa from, from
1: Barry. Bar- you are mentoring Dave and I as you speak so, right now. So. <laughs> okay, I'm, now I'm <laughs> blushing. My, my. I don't
0: want to sound false modest. I, you know, my hands are a little sweaty right now. I would love to. I think my biggest fear would be steering someone in the wrong direction. Um, and you know, to know that, and I know how much I don't know. And I know how much I have to learn. It takes a lot of courage to feel like you can be the kind of person to educate others. So, you know, if I were a mentor, I hope I would have the presence of mind to ask more questions. And, um, you know, dig for questions with my mentee and give them an opportunity to answer their own questions. Because that's probably where I would provide the most benefit is just being deeply curious and make sure they're investigating all of their potential, um, because it would be terrible to give a great person bad advice. Sometimes
1: (laughs) all you need is a sounding board, you know, someone to ask those questions and kind of make you think a little deeper. And, you
0: know, um, in running the business, it's now been 15 years and having two kids and stuff. I've been really busy and self-absorbed in that, Um, you know, We have such a great team at Logic Supply that when Roland and I went to Europe to uh, kind of try to set that organization on the rails again, we left the team and we said, all right, you guys got this, right? See y'all later over Google Hangouts. Um, And the team looked at us and said, yep, we got it. Don't worry. And they do. They've really got it. And so when I came back to the United States, I, I looked at the team. I said, I am not taking anybody's job. So my role at Logic Supply now is really as a co-owner role. It's a board role, and, you know, I'm there to give the team advice, but the team is running the company. Um, so I probably have more time to actually think about other people and be a mentor. You're so. an in-house
2: mentor, it sounds like. Right? <laughs> What's that? You're an in-house mentor. That's uh, great. Without yeah. calling it that, I can so. be,
0: but, um, oh, thank you, Derek. You're not in your head at me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I'd love to be a mentor now that you got me thinking about that. All right, all right. Auction it off. Good what you now going to do? Raffle off. Well, we've off had over the years here
2: at Visa, we probably mm-hmm. have 130 or so folks like yourself, or that live up in the hills, or come here back to college reunions that volunteer their time for mentor moments, mm-hmm. because the right conversation, like you alluded to, uh, the gentleman from Trinitas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just, mm-hmm. yeah, just an hour of that time yeah. was transformative, and it doesn't have to be a structured program. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a lifetime commitment um and we have found that it absolutely moves the needle yes all right it inspires folks that maybe aren't confident or it maybe corrects a bias or a decision and gives them an unfair advantage in life and i think it's one of the coolest things that that taylor sam and i can can do here Mm if you said so Maybe we'll put you on the list. Now we know. Yeah, right. Right? You can't hide overseas anymore. (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) So um, you're on the Board of Trustees at Champlain College. We Mm -hmm. love Champlain College. Yes. There's probably 15 of them out here working right now. Yes, we have a
0: lot of Champlainers that work too.
2: Yeah, I'm really curious. Why is it important for colleges and universities to have actual entrepreneurs on their boards?
0: What do you bring to the table? Um, You know, let me speak... Specifically about my opinion on Champlain on that point. Champlain is such a pragmatic school. They are not fooling around. They want to educate those kids, and they want those kids to get a job, if that's what those kids want. And the best thing about being on the board with Champlain is that they, everybody on the board is just very level-headed. There's no drama. They're not... Um, flying off the handle on anything. They're looking to advise the school on how to educate those kids as best they can and how to help them uh, get a great job upon graduation. And having business people on the board helps an academic institution remember why it exists, And it doesn't just exist purely for the economic motives of business, but that is a large part of why kids or young people go to school. I guess I should technically stop calling them kids. They are adults. Why these young adults go to college. Um, They also go to college because they want to have a mission in life. And, you know, often you need to fund your life's mission. So there should be a healthy mix of, you know, mission-driven education, to these young people at Champlain and a reminder something's got to pay the bills something's got to pay the bills and that's what I really have always appreciated about Champlain also when I was a high school uh, kid in um, Barry growing up I knew what kind of school Champlain was even back then and my brother went to Champlain and they put him on a great path towards getting a bachelor's degree before they offered bachelor's degrees so I've always sort of felt a warm and fuzzy spot for Champlain and I was very honored when they asked me to join the board. And it was a wonderful experience for a business person from a private company to see how an academic institution runs, the complexity, um, the diligence that they put into doing it right. Um, and I've really enjoyed working with Don and the rest of the board. It's been a good experience. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah. And I, I got to say, one of the things uh, when I talk about um, Logic Supply growing, um, and I mentioned the state. I should have also mentioned Champlain because very soon after Logic Supply moved up to South Burlington, Champlain College really started reaching out to us and saying, you know, how can our students help you? How can we be more involved? Um, You know, when I became a trustee, I said to Don, hey, anytime you want to bring the faculty to to the office, let me know. And he did. I was surprised. He brought like 15 people um, was it free
2: food? Was it a meal <laughs> It It's probably one of your meal days, right? Yeah. Usually...
0: beer Friday. Yeah. yeah, we do have a beer Friday. No, it wasn't beer Friday. But um, you know, I appreciated that those teachers took their time, the professors took their time to come out and see what a local employer was about. Yeah. We have a lot of Champlin. They seem to be
2: playing to win, as well as uh, some
1: others here. Speaking of universities playing to win, mm-hmm. you're my fellow Husky. Husky. Whee! Um, Co-op program, rah, rah. (laughs) Yeah, so I, as Dave knows, I'm constantly ranting and raving about Northeastern's co-op program. Mm -hmm. For our listeners who maybe don't know, you alternate six months of classes with six months of internship. Absolutely. Um, It is invaluable. And I, again, just, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, Can you sort of back me up and speak to the importance of experiential learning and, um, you know,
0: how maybe Vermont schools should consider it? Oh, wow. I can tell you there are Vermont schools doing an excellent job with it. And um, we have a person on our team, his name is Casey, and he might be a little embarrassed, that I'm mentioning him on the air. He was a student at Essex Tech, and they do the Career Work Experience Program, CWE. And when Logic Supply was in Waterbury, and I think Casey was maybe a junior in high school, he came and did his CWE with us. And that's an unpaid period of time uh, at an employer where he sort of shadows someone on the team. And Roland and I looked at Casey and we're like, that is exactly the type of person we want on our team long term. So he finished his CWE. If memory serves me, he started a part-time job with us during the summer, and somehow his family managed to get him down to Waterbury because he was, I think, living in the Essex area. And we hired him right out of high school, and he's been with us ever since. Um, I am a big fan of people getting a college education, but I also have to say it's not 100% necessary in IT. If you are just really good at what you do and you have the appropriate corporate behaviors which Casey does, you can be very, very successful. And so he has been at Logic Supply uh, eight years, probably. Um, And he is uh, thriving. And um, it's just exciting to know that there are jobs in Vermont for young people coming out of high school with the right drive and the right experience. And those jobs can help them fund continuing education, whether that's online, uh, like the True Ed program at Champlain, or it's in person, like on the Champlain campus, um, or it's uh, continuing education or certificate programs. There's a lot of paths to getting educated and educating the workforce. Um, and I will say this about Northeastern, I would not have gotten through college without co-op. I needed those breaks to earn money, to pay the rent, to pay tuition, To go back into school, and my first job out of Northeastern was because of a connection I made through a co op. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think it is a great point that you don't necessarily have to do a traditional kind of four year education in order to get that experiential learning.
0: Yes, and I'd like to make a quick point. Schools like uh, Champlain are realizing that. They're realizing that today's technology. Um, can facilitate learning, and one thing I really appreciated being on the board was witnessing the innovation and the creativity of the college and trying to figure out creative ways to reach out to students. And uh, their True Ed program is, is right up my alley, being an IT person. It is a great way to get an education that um, you know, doesn't require someone to move away from home and live in a dorm room.
1: And I think one of my the most important things for me, too, is that you could work a co-op or an internship into your sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And I had so many people that ended up changing their majors because they realized that yeah. what they thought was business wasn't business. Is not what they thought it was going right. to be. Or nursing or fill in the blank.
0: I think the joke at Northeastern is your co-op teaches you what you don't want to do. Oh, yeah. And yes. so, you know, that, that space Process is of coordination. right? Absolutely. And when I was at Northeastern, I had two international co-ops. I had an international co-op in France at a French telecoms company and an international co-op in the Netherlands at a Dutch telecoms company. So I knew I wanted to be in IT already in college uh, at Northeastern, and I had the opportunity to live and work in a foreign language in France. So, you know, these are opportunities that are hard to get unless you're in a school program. That's built into it. Built into it and yeah. baked in where the structure in these foreign countries exists. What, what, what did you know you didn't want to be? Um, I know I did not want to do cold calling in sales. Oh, what my about God, you, Sam. Same. What did you not want to
2: be?
1: Um, I didn't want to be a cog in a machine. Oh.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. I, yeah. Uh, I, I, at cute. UVM, I did an internship with a stockbroker, and I, I didn't want to wear socks. You had to wear socks with your suits. Right. Otherwise, your a,
0: feet stink. Yeah, it it just was a... Just so listeners know, Dave's got no shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's no, no I'm a darn tough guy, right? Rick Cabot,
2: you're coming up here and taping with is us. Actually, he has nice so. leather well, shoes Well,
0: the,
1: on. the <laughs> ironic thing about it, my two favorite co-ops is one was uh, with a startup and one was with a nonprofit, and mm-hmm. now I got to combine the best of both worlds working with wow. startups at a nonprofit. At a nonprofit. There you this go. This is your dream Spooky. job. I know.
2: Well, I think we need to wrap this up with magic wand time.
1: All right. Dave, I think you deserve it. Go ahead. You've earned it. Okay. If you could change
2: one thing in Vermont, magic wand, Mm -hmm. superpowers, Mm -hmm. what would you change?
0: This is very self-serving, but I would put Vermont a little more in the middle of the country as an e-commerce company. Oh. Yeah, we're kind of physically at the end of the line here. Can we keep the lake, though? Yes. And the mountains. and mountains. (laughs) And the snow. So that would be weird next to Kentucky, but sure. I totally would do that. I'd move us down on Interstate 40, just but like this, this like whole little snowy by the river,
2: like by the Mississippi, sort of. Yeah, that, right where is the, that the uh, middle of the
0: country. I can't remember the highway that runs north south, but there's the east west highway, and you know, e commerce companies that do a lot of shipping, like basically Logic where Supply FedEx is, does. right? You want to be yeah, like, kind of FedExed down there. Actually, I used to be the account manager for FedEx at WorldCom. I lived in Memphis. And that's, I know the South very well for that period of time I lived down and now there. now
2: we arc back to barbecue, where we started. Oh, oh yes. Well we did talk
0: about barbecue. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, potato chips.
2: Well, Elisa, thank you for, for making time yeah, thank coming you guys. in here this morning. This yes, and fun, thank Lisa. you guys for
0: the mission you're on. It's important to Vermont, and I, we appreciate your dedication.
2: Thank you. Thank you. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Fairpoint Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VSET. That's V-C-E-T. Thanks for listening, now let's get back to work.